You're listening to The 202 Studio, a podcast series exploring the creative sparks emanating from the District of Columbia. Throughout the series, we'll be talking with artists, humanities practitioners, organizational leaders, and many others. Individuals working behind the scenes and in the spotlight, in organizations, studios, and workshops in all eight wards. As we explore the heartbeat of DC's arts, humanities, creativity, and culture. To learn more, visit dcarts.dc.gov. Welcome to the 202 Studio. From the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities, I'm Jeffrey Scott. Today we're joined by visual artist Laurel Farron, who was a graduate of the University of Maryland, the previous grantee of the commission, was very active in the D.C. art scene for a number of years. She currently teaches at the University of Iowa and is joining us by phone. Um, she's up in upstate New York right now for a summer residency. Uh, so, Laurel, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. Oh, my pleasure, Jeff. Uh, so let's just uh, talk a little bit about... Um, when uh, you, you got your first grant, kind of right out of college, is that correct? You know, when you uh, it was, it was right out of my graduate school, out of graduate school program, uh-huh. yeah, at the University of Maryland, um, and the first one was a technical assistance program grant, um, okay. which was more for supplies and for um, you know aiding someone in trying to complete a project, mm-hmm. and I think that was. I think that was 93, and then in 95, I um, received an individual artist DC grant. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then, yeah, so those two. And that, um, so the, the technical assistance grant is a program that uh, isn't currently in existence, but the fellowship mm-hmm. still is. And uh, currently, the, the fellowship uh, is, is sort of like a general operating support grant for an individual artist, that they can use the funds for any number of purposes, not just tied to a specific project, but they can be used for supplies or for marketing needs or for really almost anything. And was that the, uh, the case back then as well? It was. It was. Um, it was just to fund a, a practice in general. And um, especially then, um, and I'm assuming it's probably similar now because of rents, it was really difficult to find studio space in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was very expensive. Um, as you can imagine, it was never an industrial city, so there wasn't a lot of warehouse, warehouse space. Mm-hmm. So um, I was able to fund a studio with that, and um, I actually was in a in a uh, building that had been pretty much closed down except for a caretaker. Uh, it was an old folks home up around Carter Barron area. And I had a thousand square foot basement, which was covered with about a thousand square feet of mold. Um, oh. It wasn't the healthiest situation, <laughs> but you know, for me and no heat. Um, uh-huh. So it was uh, a really, if you want to be romantic about it, which I don't think I was at the time, <laughs> uh, it was a real artist, uh, not uh-huh. Garrett, but basement. <laughs> the true, true starving artist working out of a, exactly. a moldy basement, apparently. Um, but the, you, so you used your grant for for that studio, or uh, I did, and for I mean, and for supplies mm-hmm. um, for sure. And I right around that time, um, I had started showing with Anton Gallery, which um, is no longer there, mm-hmm. but it was a gallery on um, uh, R Street, I think, in around Dupont Circle, where a lot of the galleries were. Mm-hmm. So I was, you know, using that money to produce work um, to show. Uh, I think it was about my first show there. 
And what what year would that have been? Early nineties, mid nineties. Uh, ninety five. Okay. Yeah, it was around. I think ninety five, ninety six, something like that. Okay. Um, how? So let's talk a little bit about the mid nineties uh, art scene in Washington D.C. Right. What was it like back then? Uh, I, it was a strange period in that, well, I had gotten out of, I had finished my MFA program in 93. So nine, I was there from 90 to 93. Um, again, there were like a lot of commercial galleries on, um, DuPont circle, Mm -hmm. but it was also a time of transition when many of those galleries were, were soon to be closing, either closed or then by the early 2000s had closed. Uh, there weren't a lot of nonprofit spaces, which are the kind of places that young artists out of graduate programs would um, would look for, would look to show for. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of those spaces were in the suburban D.C. area. They were in Virginia and in, in Maryland, up in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, except for the WPA, which was also going into transition because that was uh, soon to be folding and then being incorporated into the Corcoran. Um, so it was kind of a transition. It seemed like there was there were more outlets um, for shows uh, than later on in the 2000s, but um, you felt like you were seeing the writing on the wall and and it seemed perhaps oddly a little bit more conservative hmm. um, than say the rough and tumble of like Baltimore. Hmm. You know, there were several mm-hmm. nonprofit spaces in Baltimore and there were, you know, Micah, the art school mm-hmm. uh, was there. Um, so it was a little odd. And in retro, you know, we didn't really realize it at the time. So it's just kind of looking back on it now. The other thing that I thought was a little bit um, more difficult, and I think it was just because of the cost of living in, in Washington, is that. Um, people were a little bit more separated. Artists were a little bit more separated from each other. Um, you know, there'd be certain neighborhoods in New York City, for example, where everyone, they saw each other more. Um, everything was a little bit oddly more condensed. But in, in, in Washington, you know, there were people up and living in Silver Spring, in Virginia, mm-hmm. in D.C. Um, so there wasn't, the community was a little bit more um, stretched, mm-hmm. I think. And I don't, I'm not sure how it is now, but um, from my friends who are still there, it seems like it continues to be a little bit like that. And also formed around um, oftentimes the schools within the D.C. metro area. You know, like if you were a student at the Corcoran mm. or you were a student at GW or you were a student at American University, there were all these separate sort of gestalts about, mm. um, you know, those places. Mm-hmm. And I would have personally maybe liked to see a little bit more, um, a little bit more interaction. And I, I mean, I think the the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities probably was like really attempt trying to do that. You know, that they were the one group that was trying to unite things. Um, mm-hmm. So I was always sort of appreciative of that. So let's go back to these the the spaces that were closing in the the mid to late nineties, and mm-hmm. you know sort of the, the current situation in D.C. is that, you know, the, the city's been been growing a lot recently and growing fast. The population right. is up and a lot of, uh, you know, new developments and stuff, but uh, which, you know, in some instances has caused uh, uh, 
entities to get priced out or, you know, those sort of raw spaces, the few that we have had that make great studio space, uh, you know, are torn down to build apartments or office buildings and stuff like that. Yes. So it's 20 years later plus, you know, it, there is, a, again, that space issue happening. Do you know, uh, can you recall what was what was behind the space uh, issue back then in the 90s? Uh, I think, you know, part of it was, well, actually, I'm remembering now, I never had a space in that because some of the older artists had space right, um, it was like right downtown, right near the um, Smithsonian American Museum of Art. There mm -hmm. were a whole row of, um, and you may have heard of this too, of, of um, buildings and townhouses where people had studios for years and years. Mm -hmm. And during my time in D.C., they had torn all those down and everyone had lost those spaces. Um, I think some people had moved, then found spaces up kind of, you know, on the way sort of north and east up Rhode Island Avenue and um, mm -hmm. in places around there. But, you know, even when I was there, I mean, you think it's D.C. has been expanding um, a lot, but D.C. has always been like when I was there, it was just booming. You know, things mm -hmm. were being torn down. Condos were being made. Mm -hmm. So I think it's probably just more of the same in that way. Um, it could be. And yeah. And, and then the price went up, too. So, you know, there might have been spaces available. Mm -hmm. I was really lucky in the place that I found um, because I just made a you know, I, I paid the caretaker basically. And I think it was probably very, um, unofficial and probably even illegal, but, <laughs> but it was what I had. So I think I, I lucked out, even though I was all by myself there, there was no one else in that building. It was, it was, uh, except for the ghosts. <laughs> and how long, but were, I, how long were you in mm -hmm. that space? I was there for probably a couple of years, uh -huh. probably a couple of years. Yeah. And then they finally, I think they sold it. Um, I don't know what's happened to it now, but. So what, you know, certainly because you, you went to grad school at University of Maryland. So you, you were basically in the district, you know, close enough, close to the district. Right. You know, through, throughout your studies. Um, and, you know, it would makes sense logically, I think for a lot of people that, you know, once you finished your graduate program, your MFA, that you would, you know, work, you know, in the area. Um, what, was there anything in particular, though, that that uh, kept you in D.C. Uh, working for the the period that it did, as far as any opportunities or inspirations or anything like that? Um, I mean, it was um, it was where I it was where I it was where I had landed, and so even before I had gone to um, to graduate school. You know, I had moved. I had just gotten married. Um, we were working in D.C., like nothing to do with the federal government, just, you know, we had jobs. Mm -hmm. And then I went to grad school um, after about five years living there. D.C., you know, typically for a lot of people has this reputation of being a very transient city that, you know, people come here, right. work for a number of years. Uh, they do their internship on the hill or whatever, and then they they move on and go someplace else. But uh, here recently, um, you know, the the district has actually seen, uh, you know, the population has increased, and it's and people are staying longer. And from from our perspective with the commission, you know, we attribute a number of that to 
the arts and culture offerings, you know, that have become present in the city that you yeah. know, it gives people a reason to stay. But, you know, as, yeah. as you say, I mean, you know, when you go through a graduate program, I think particularly in the arts, you know, I, I was in theater, but you know, you, mm-hmm. you form those connections with those kind of people and in, and they're, they're like your first group of friends that you have in, in, right, that, in that right. world. And so, uh, of course you, you stick with them and, um, and, and collaborate hopefully going forward. Did you, yeah. did you yeah. have any of those kind of opportunities with any of your, uh, colleagues of, of collaboration, either right out of grad school in DC or e- even since then, since you've left the district? We, we did actually. Um, uh, one of, uh, one of my friends from graduate school, Katerina Wong and I did, um, we were part of, I think, seven uh, duos of collaborators for a show. And it was actually, I think the show was up in an art space in Frederick, Maryland. Mm -hmm. But Katarina, we both lived in D.C. And um, we we still like laugh when we think about it. So we did this sort of sculptural collaboration that involved, you know, a 25 foot long timber that we had gouged out. And if I described it, you know, it would be part of a comedy sketch, but it already sounds we very interesting. <laughs> yeah, we did the thing. You know, honey was involved. Um, of course. Wax was involved. Sure. So, you know, young right out of school. So we had this mm-hmm. piece, and then when we had to take it down after the show, um, I was using uh, my spouse's truck, his big van, and we had the thing in the back of the truck. We picked it up. You know, we put it in the truck. It was it was definitely a little red flag out there. It was like <laughs> out of the truck. It uh-huh. was that long, and we were halfway back to D.C. You know, coming down from Frederick. And we just thought, why do we even want to keep this thing? So we pulled over to the side of the road and we just pulled the thing out and like threw it in the woods, um, which I hope was not littering since it was wood. (laughs) But we decided Mm -hmm. to return it to where it came from. (laughs) And so there was a lot. And um, uh, even now, you know, I have friends who who stayed. Um, Francie Hester was part of our um, our uh, graduate program and she's she's still living in dc um so i always see i always see her her, you know she's showing um you know in in the dc proper and and i frankly really like i mean we were there you know in the mid 80s to to the end of the 90s early 2000s and you know during that time i think it was it definitely was like murder capital of the world for a while and but we loved it i mean i just it was just a place that was vital and I also liked the fact I liked the um, the district side, you know, because it was a sort of two fluid model. Mm-hmm. DC, it's got like the federal, the federal life, and then it's got, you know, Washington DC, the local right. life. Yeah. And you know, we were we didn't have anything to do with the federal life except for avoiding the traffic mm-hmm. uh, motorcade. Dodging motorcade, yeah. Yeah, but the other, you know, that local DC life was the one that we you know, we cared about. Um, and so, and I think there was a clash often, you know, obviously between the, in fact, my biggest regret was that I finally had to change my license. I had DC license even when I was Iowa for years and years. And I finally was forced to change it by, uh, the state of Iowa just before oh. the district came out with taxation without representation. Oh no. License plates. That was just that really was hard for me <laughs> to give up. Uh do you uh so certainly I mean, you're 
your your life and your career have have taken you elsewhere. Have you had any? I know you come back to visit. Have you had any opportunities to to show any works in the district since you've left? Or, or? Uh, some, a little bit. Um, I mean, not as much as I'd like to, because I do feel a sort of an attachment to the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I never would have left except for the fact that I, you know, I had to have a job, and I was. I had odd jobs like doing architectural rendering um, as an assistant, you know, where mm-hmm. I would paint, say, 2,000 little bricks a day, um, you know, for minimum wage. So um, that, that at some like point fun, I had though. to – yeah, well, it, it was – you could listen to a lot of good music, that's I'm for sure. sure. Um, but I did uh, – I did, you know, I ended up feeling like I had to take a job that was um, going to be able to, to be more supportive. Um, but I have, like I said, I think I just uh, was happy to have a um, some work in a show that was at University of Maryland Art Gallery for um, alumni. It was their first alumni show, and they're going to start a program of that. Um, and some, you know, smaller, uh, some galleries and group shows. But but that was the one thing that we noticed too. It's like if if you were in a gallery and your gallery closed, you know, there just wasn't. There weren't new galleries opening up to take up mm. the slack, you know, for 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 those that closed. So it, it became a, a kind of a difficult place um, for showing. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, during the time I was there, you know, we had a lot of opportunities to show in all the the nonprofit spaces and you know other gallery and other galleries, commercial galleries as well. So it was it was it could always be better, I think, but. Um, Perhaps it's improving a little. A little. I know I have friends at AU who, um, you know, the Katzen Center is mm-hmm. putting on a lot of shows. And yeah, I think. And and actually, um, our our office that we're in now, the commission, we have our mm-hmm. own gallery space that, um, and we've. Oh, re- that's fabulous. Yeah, and yeah. we've uh, uh, for the past couple of years, we've been doing a lot of programming of that space with pieces from uh, the art bank, which is the district's collection that we you know, manage. But we've actually started a new program that's a, a curatorial grant program for local curators to uh, oh, that's have a space to put up, uh, you know, an exhibition that, you know, because that they, you know, just don't have a space for basically. So, you know, we're there. We're we're trying to to make inroads as much as possible on those things because certainly that that's that's a fabulous that's a fabulous thing to have and and I also noticed strangely enough today on like social media, um, someone had reposted uh, something from Rhizome DC which had a I think it must have been partnering with the district. Um, Commission on Arts and Humanities, mm-hmm. and it was about it was a residency program for mothers um, who were artists, and you know who often aren't supported. And it was a studio residency, hmm. which I thought was such a great idea. Um, and that's why I was thinking like uh, DC really needs more and more of that, like having an art residency where artists could come and you know have a studio and be supported and work on a project. So I was really, I was really happy to hear, to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think in a lot of instances, you know, that's when the nonprofit sector, you know, finds interesting ways to apply for and utilize the grants that we're able to give to, to support those kinds yeah. of uh, programs or initiatives that uh, they might not necessarily get 
commercial backing for or from private sector donations. But right, right, and more, more community centered mm-hmm. things. Yeah, and I think yeah. Yeah, and and also, I mean, and, you know, we've had a lot of you know community groups, you know, come to us and and receive grants because they may not necessarily mm-hmm. be an arts and cultural organization themselves, but they want to do something related to the arts and culture, you know, and they can get, apply for a grant to support that particular program or project. So um, things that, you know, that we've been doing to try and open up and be more accessible and and get it out there as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, it's, I I have noticed that, you know, in, in, in tough times in terms of, you know, lack of funding for support of the arts, you know, people are definitely becoming, you know, more innovative and more entrepreneurial, um, which, you know, is, is, is both sad and also, um, inspiring. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about, um, about what you're doing currently in in your current career, uh, uh, teaching and, and, uh, creating art and, and everything. What are you up to these days? Um, well, so I've been uh, teaching at University of Iowa, and um, which uh, is amazing. I've been there so long now because um, somehow I keep feeling like, oh, I'm just there temporarily. <laughs> but um, I actually guess I am not there temporarily. Um, so uh, the teaching part, you know, it's, it's always for me, I love it um, because I remembered you know, the really great professors I had when I was in grad school. It's a little bit of a sense of like give back. Um, so that's great. It's very, very intense and busy during the school year. Um, you know, there's time for work, but, um, the summers are usually the time when I get, you know, my most serious work done. So right now I'm at a residency called Yado in uh, Saratoga Springs, mm-hmm. which it was also a place that, um, my professor, in grad school and true it used to always go to so i always remembered reading about mm-hmm. that and listening to her talk about it so um it, it has a lot of meaning for me and um then next uh in july when this ends i'll be at um pratt which is a mm-hmm. um school of art in, in new york city and mm-hmm. i'll be doing a mo- one month residency there uh, so that's i'm really looking forward to that um so i have found actually i've been very grateful to be able to um, be given a lot of opportunities for residencies in different places. Like in last year I was in France and another one in New Hampshire called McDowell. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, it gives, you know, these, these places which are just, um, funded and they fund artists and they support artists. Um, it gives you this clean space to come into and to really, you know, work hard without any distractions for a month or two months and for me, that's been very helpful. It's been able, it's, it's gotten me out of, you know, out of where I am normally in Iowa in the Midwest. And, um, I've been able to, you know, to interact and to form communities with other people. So, so that's been pretty important for my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, showing work wherever I can, uh, the other thing I'm really interested in now is like don- donating work. And I know a lot of artists have a hard time with this because they feel like they, they're asked too much, but you know, I've lived a long time now and I've really enjoyed, um, donating work for auctions for mm. nonprofit organizations for, for funding and for raising funds. Um, so a lot of the, um, a lot of the things I'm participating in are those, you know, are those auctions because I really, 
I really believe, you know, this country is so underfunded in the arts and, and the, the organizations that are that are trying to do everything they can really need all the help mm-hmm. uh, they can. So I feel like a lot of the work that I make is actually their work because mm-hmm. they've, they've made it possible for me to make it. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And I don't ha- – I have a job, you know, right. so um, I can support myself and so I don't – I don't necessarily depend on having to sell a sell an object, an art object, mm-hmm. to um, to live. And so to kind of tie this all back together, you, mm-hmm. you've been you've had a very continue to have an active career, and and you get to you you've had these these great opportunities to to go to different places and everything. Is there was there something that you got from your time in D.C. that? Uh, that has continued to inspire you that you take with you that, uh, plays out in your, in your work, uh, today. It, you know, it, it, it absolutely does. And it, and I don't know if it's because of when I was in school in the nineties. Um, but I feel like, you know, the whole group that was with me, the faculty that were with us, um, just working in DC, um, somehow, um, really inspired this idea that what we were doing in our studios wasn't just making um, a kind of product, you know, for a wealthy person to buy and hang on their walls, that we were really in those studios doing the kinds of things, asking the kind of questions that like a philosopher would ask or a scientist would ask. We, we were sort of in it for um, the experimentation and to see what would what would happen and to try to make sense of the world or to find answers in life, which of course we realized as we grew older was, you know, an an impossible moving target. (laughs) (laughs) There were no answers, but you know, just, it was a kind of whatever, it was an exploration in psychology and physics and philosophy. So it was about that. It wasn't about making a product. Mm -hmm. And I feel uh, that kind of, um, in sense, a kind of like purity about the intention of what we were doing has always stayed with me. Um, and I think that came from, from the time that I spent in DC, you know, that it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the fame, you know, or even the success. It was just about being in the studio and asking those questions about what happens if I do this, what happens if, you know, I, try another if i switch frames and i do you know i think about i think about life and i think about these formal aspects of the making of art in in a larger sense you know of what does it mean what does it mean to other human beings you know um so i think that's the main thing and that's why i think so fondly about my time there that that was that was where i was gestated and um you know, it's my that in a way that was my sort of adopted hometown, I guess. And that's wonderful, I think. I mean, and that's some of the for those of us who are you know on the the government side of things. It's you with the commission that it, it's the public service of it of that you know it's it's something bigger and beyond. And you know, the, our work is to support the artists who's doing who are doing work that's you know for the for the, for everyone really. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, even though, you know, we think it's like, it's all about, it's all about us being in the studio. I mean, in a way you think, is it selfish? But I think 
the thing that we were trying to do was communicate, you know, that what we were trying to communicate in our work and um, what someone who would who would engage with that work, what they would experience. And, um, you know, for me, I'm interested in that idea of empathy um, and being able to make something that can invoke empathy or that can that can move someone because if you're doing that to me that's that's the best kind of social engagement where you're opening up you're opening up someone to see and experience something that they hadn't ever perhaps experienced before that they perhaps couldn't even put words to but they felt something and they felt more human maybe more empathic towards other people um i think that's what that's what you know that's what i was after that's what you know, my my friends were after who were artists and and that's why we, you know, we were excited to get up every morning and and, and do it and do it again. Well, certainly uh, we wish you all the, the best of success and we hope that you can come back to D.C. and visit us whenever. And uh, uh, congratulations on, on, on your career and everything that you've been able to accomplish. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jeff. And, and actually, I wish I wish I wish the district uh, and the and the and the Commission on the Arts and Humanities all the best. And I, whatever support I can give it, um, I'm I'm there, and I hope to come back as often as I can. Great. You've been listening to the 202 Studio, a podcast series of the DC Commission on the Arts and Humanities. Thanks to the commissioners and staff of the Commission on the Arts and Humanities, the Office of Cable Television, Film, Music, and Entertainment, and special thanks to our mayor, Muriel Bowser, for her support of the Arts and Humanities in the District of Columbia. And thanks to you for listening today.